so today we're going to talk about would you betray Jesus? This is leading up to the resurrection on Sunday. Uh, there's a lot of great events that happened, and some really uh, traumatic events that happened up until the resurrection. Uh, the most traumatic, obviously, is the cross. But what we're going to focus on tonight is the betrayal of Jesus by Judas. And I think a lot of times we look at this story during the Easter season, and we always look at Judas as the bad guy, as how in the world he betrayed Jesus. He's been with him for years, and you know, he was one of Jesus' closest disciples. But I want to look at Judas from a little bit different perspective tonight. Although what Judas did was terrible, and obviously he shouldn't have done it, if you put yourself in a similar situation, I believe a lot of us would fall into that same category. And we may not think of it as betraying, betraying Jesus, but a lot of us betray Jesus all the time. And we look at Judas and say, oh, he's terrible, he's a horrible, terrible, simple person. But in reality, we're doing the same things on a daily basis or on a constant basis. So I want you guys to look at three ways tonight that in your life, sometimes you betray Jesus, even if you don't realize it. And the first one is, you can be in the presence of the Lord, but not be following him. I want you to think about that. You can be in the presence of the Lord, but not actually be following him. If God is not in your heart, you, or Jesus is not in your heart, eventually you will betray him, and you'll begin to follow the things that are in your heart. So, for instance, if you look at yourself today in your heart examination and say, what are the top three priorities in my life? What do I spend the most time and attention on? If it's sports, if it's relationships, it's Netflix, binge watching, whatever it may be, that's probably going to be what you tend to worship and hold dearest and closest to you. So when push comes to show, and you have to choose between certain things, you're more than likely going to choose to follow and stay with the, the top priorities in your heart. So if Jesus is not the top priority in your heart, he's not what centers your life, he's not the one you're, you're seeking to live for in all you do, then when the world comes down and puts pressure on you to do things that they say is right, you'll probably just conform right along. And in a way, it's betraying Jesus, just like Judas did. And I want you guys to think about this. If your heart is not committed fully to Christ, it will be committed to something else. So everybody worships, everybody has some kind of God in their life, whether they say they do or not. Even atheists, they have something they hold really dear and close to them. Whether it's some kind of ideals, whether it's a hobby, whether it's a relationship, everybody has something that they, they focus their, their attention on. A lot of it's work. And then a lot of us that are Christians, hopefully we focus our attention on serving Christ and ministering and witnessing to others. But everybody in their life has something they focus their attention on and, and they live their life for. So, again, if you examine your heart tonight and Christ is not at the top, then when push comes to show, you'll probably be like Judas and choose something else. Because whatever's in your heart will come out in the way you live and the way you talk eventually. And it will show in your actions. When a, decision, when a decision comes, you'll choose to laugh. So when you guys tonight to think about music, clubs, sports, and even people, how many of you, if you're honest with yourself, would choose to, to do those things or be with those people instead of Jesus if you had to choose between the two? And now if you stop there, most of us would say, if they go to church, well, obviously I'll choose to be with Jesus. You know, if Jesus came down to earth, I would clearly choose to be with him over these other things. I want you to think about this here. How many of us on a regular basis choose to watch a sports game rather than going to church? 
Well, how many of us, when we're asked to go to church or to do something for Christ, we'd rather go hang out with our friends or play Xbox or play PlayStation or, you know, binge watch shows on YouTube or Netflix? Uh, a lot of times when Christ calls us to do something now, we do the complete opposite because, again, he's not the top priority in our heart. So if he came to earth today and he asked you to come hang out with him, you got all these other things going on, some of you may not actually choose to hang out with him. You may choose those other things because, again, your heart is committed to those things over Christ. And then, again, in the sense, you would become just like Judas and you would also betray Jesus and choose something else. How many of us also ignore God's calling on our life to talk with somebody, to help somebody, or um, just to witness to somebody that God is calling us to because it's inconvenient for us or it's uncomfortable for us? You know, a lot of us say, well, I don't want to talk to that friend at school because they're different than me. It's uncomfortable. Uh, you know, I don't feel like I'm the best qualified to do this. Even if you know without a doubt that God is putting in your heart to go talk to this person. And in a sense, it is a way of betrayal because you're choosing your comfort, your convenience over God's calling for your life. And so I want you guys to think about this first point like this. Your actions will speak to who or what has priority in your heart. So if you examine your life for the last two or three months, what, what do your actions and your words say about who or what you worship? Because if you examine you know, your private life, your life at school, your life at church, your life with your boyfriend, girlfriend, the way you act and the way you speak will define who or what is in your heart. I want you to think about that. Is your heart truly set on Jesus? Or would you be like Jesus and also betray him? Secondly, a way we also betray Jesus sometimes in our life today. And actually, I'm sorry, I want to read off the Judas passage here. Uh, John 6. It's in John 6. Um, starting in verse 64. And it says this right here. This is Jesus talking. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. From that time, many of his disciples, not just Judas, many of his disciples, catch that, went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? The Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You are the Son of God. And then he says this, Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you the twelve, and one of you is the devil? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea because the Jews sought to kill him. So Jesus knew from the beginning that one of his disciples would betray him. He knew that people would depart from him, and not just Judas, but also some of the other ones that weren't the 12 main disciples also left him. And if you think about this, uh, the next day, or, or, or in that same week, Peter denies Christ three times. And he, he betrays him in a different way. And then if you look into the cross scene later on, only one disciple actually stays when Jesus gets put up on the cross. All the other ones are gone. So really 11 out of the 12, in a sense, betrayed him. Judas is the main one because it's so evident what he does. He turns over Jesus and he ends up, you know, getting killed 
because of that, but all of them really, in a sense, but one betrayed them in different ways. And Jesus knew this, yet still showed them love and compassion, and still still decided to do ministry with them. And that's the kind of love Christ has for us. But I think we have to ask, we have to ask ourselves, secondly tonight, do we fear God more than we fear the world? Do we fear God or the world more? What I mean by that is Peter, for instance, he was more fearful of what the Roman government would do to him. If he said that he knew Jesus or he didn't know Jesus, oh, I'm sorry, he did know Jesus, and he was associated with him, he was more afraid of what the Roman government was going to do to him. He thought they might also kill Peter or put him in prison or beat him or whatever. And so he denied Christ three separate times. Yet, in the, in the meantime, that really hurt Jesus. That was one of his closest disciples and one of his best friends probably here on earth. And he just said, hey, I have no idea who this guy is. Not in three separate times. And, and I want us to think about our life today. A lot of times we do the same thing. You know, when our friends don't accept Christ or, you know, we go into a place that maybe is very anti-Christian. We're just kind of hush-hush about our faith. We don't talk about it. You know, we, we sometimes even deny Christ completely. Because we don't want to be embarrassed by them. We're afraid of what they're going to say to us and what they're going to think about us. Because we care more about what their opinion is than what God's opinion is of us. Even if it hurts Jesus, let us deny him, you know, and it makes him upset, we would rather Jesus be upset than for something bad to happen to us. And wants to think about that. It's a very selfish behavior that Peter shows, but it's also a selfish behavior that we show. And in this case, if you do this, if you fear the world more than you fear the Lord, eventually you will reject Jesus to satisfy the world. In addition, all the disciples, like I said, but one fled before the cross happened. Why? Because they were scared of their own lives. They wanted to protect themselves. When danger came in, when it was a real threat to their safety, they said, I'm going to be all about me until we get out of here. And good luck, Jesus. You know, hope it goes well for you. And in a sense, again, we act like that as well in America. Sometimes, sometimes even in other countries, although a lot of times in other countries, they put everything on the line to share the gospel. But if we feel like our life's in danger, or even if we can get possibly hurt or made fun of, or somebody say something bad about us or offend somebody, we're like, you know what, fine, we won't do it. We'll say we deny Christ, we're not a Christian, or we'll just go our own way and be hush-hush about it. But is that really the life that Jesus calls us to? Because if we deny him in front of those people that need him the most, then we're not sharing his word with, with others. And those people that are lost that don't know him, how are they going to come to know him? But none of us share, share with them. If you fear what happens to you on earth, more than how the Father sees you, the actions you take will not glorify God or glorify the world. You'll be terrified to offend anyone. It won't stand up for the truth. The truth, however, is the gospel is offensive to anyone who is not accepted. So, in today's world especially, you can get offended over anything. Um, and the gospel is no exception to that. If you don't believe in Jesus, you have a different religion, or you're you know, atheist, or agnostic, or whatever you might declare yourself as, if somebody shows the gospel with you, it's probably going to be offensive at first, because the gospel is going to call out things you're doing that you shouldn't do, and call you to put your faith in Christ over what you're putting your faith in. So in a way, it will be a little bit offensive. And even Jesus, or even the Bible says this, for the word of the cross is folly, which is foolish, to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So God's word is powerful to us. It helps us learn about him. 
helps us live our lives, helps us grow closer to Him. But if somebody doesn't know the Word of God and they're living a lifestyle very contrary, this is foolish to them. They think, oh, that's so stupid. Like, why would you believe in a book like that? Why would you follow somebody that lived thousands of years ago? It's because they don't know the truth. So yes, it may be offensive at first, but that's why Jesus calls us to be salt and light into the world. Because, see, you have a cut on your leg and you run into the ocean, it's going to burn because of the salt water. But the reality is, once you leave that salt water, it begins to heal the wound because the salt heals the wound. And the same thing is true in our life today is when we're salt into the world, we share the gospel, it may sting a little bit because someone's got to realize that the way they're living is not right. But once they allow that truth to settle in, once they allow that truth to affect them internally and they give their life to Christ, it will heal them for all eternity. And they'll have the joy and the love that they, they so desperately desire. So that's why, again, that's where the light comes in, because the darkness is removed, they can finally see the light. So that's why Jesus calls us to be salt and light into the world. And I want you guys to think about this as well. <clears throat> this is part of why the world's gotten to the point it's gotten today. Our world is so sinful and corrupt, and the homosexual movement, the abortion movement, all these movements that are anti-biblical, that are just gaining ground, it seems like, daily now, a lot of because these things started off small, and they had a small voice, and Christians were afraid to offend people. They were afraid to stand up for the truth. They decided they would they rather have people proud of them and happy with them and good relationship with them than have a good relationship with Christ and honor Him. And then we let these things go. We were hush hush about it for a long time. We even started going along with it. A lot of churches started saying, well, fine, we'll accept it too. So people still come to church. And now these movements have grown to a, a magnormous size here in America. And the truth is, we should accept all people as far as we should be kind to them, we should minister to them, we should show them love. But if we accept all sin, then we aren't accepting Christ. Because without repentance, there's no salvation. And so when someone is living a simple life, or whatever it may be, it's important for us to show them love and kindness, but it also leads into the truth. Because we know if we don't lead into the truth, the truth is the only thing that's really going to set them free. You know, following Christ is the only thing that's really going to get them to heaven. Following Jesus is the only thing that's going to give them true love and fulfillment in life and to see God's purpose. So if we really love that person and care about them, then we should care about them enough to not let them stay where they're at, but to move them closer to the person God's called them to be. And, and that's what the church has really messed up in a lot of ways today. We care more about pleasing people and having people like us, having big sanctuaries and lots of people and all kinds of social media fame, things like that, and actually sharing the truth and making disciples of Jesus. And it says here, Galatians 1.10, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? For am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, catch this, I would not be a servant of Christ. So if you know saying or doing something won't get a lot of likes on Facebook, won't get you a lot of social media fame, people may disagree with you, you know God's calling you to post that, you know God's calling you to say that, you know God's calling you to do that, then you have to ask yourself, am I going to follow the world? Am I going to please man? Or am I going to follow Christ? Because if you deny Christ because you rather please people, then again, you're just like Judas. And in a sense, yes, you would betray Jesus in those moments. In the last way we betray Jesus in our lives today, I, that we can take 
for, for tonight is do you trust Jesus when you don't see him come through? What I mean by that is that when Jesus died on the cross, he told his disciples that he'll come back. You know, he's, this is not the end. This is not, you know, the end of me, the end of Christianity and your relationship with God. But yet, the day after, the disciples basically lost hope. If you read through scripture, they're pretty much down in the dumps, like thinking, you know, that, that part of our life is over and we're back to doing whatever we were doing before Jesus and we got to figure out life all over again. They just basically totally lost hope. And it even says in the Bible, that in John 2, 19 through 22, it says, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it took 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it up in three days? But Jesus answered um, that he was speaking uh, not of the temple, but of his body. And, and again, Jesus told the disciples that this is not going to be the end of him. But yet, again, when he died on the cross, where were all the disciples? Where was all the you know, movement about, you know, worshiping Christ. It just kind of faded and ended, and everybody kind of just lost hope. And then three days later, Jesus comes back, and his disciples don't recognize him until he finally reveals himself to them, and then all of a sudden, like 30 eyewitnesses see Jesus. When we think about our own lives today, God, Jesus also promises that he's going to come back again. Okay? He went to heaven, and sent to heaven, he's alive today, but eventually he's going to come back to earth for a last time. And when he does that, that will be the end of the age, when people end up going to heaven or, or to hell after the thousand reign on earth. And the question we have to think about, think about this is, just like the disciples, because when Jesus died, he didn't raise from the grave right away, it took him several days to raise from the grave, people today say, well, Jesus is not coming back for 50,000 years. Because in our time, we say, well, Jesus promises this, this should happen right now. Where should happen the next day? Or Jesus has already been 2,000 years. Let's go. Let's, you know, kind of let's get this rolling. But the thing is, the only person that knows when Jesus is eventually going to come back is God alone. He even says in the Bible that Jesus doesn't know the time or the hour. Think about this. It says here, I want to read it off to you here. I have it in front of me. Perfect. Yes. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, Matthew 24, 36 says, but concerning that day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, which is Jesus, but the Father only. And God's timing is not our timing. So sometimes in life, just like with the promise of Jesus' return, God, Jesus is going to promise you several things. Jesus promises that if you follow him, he's going to use you for a wonderful purpose. But so often in life, when we start following after Jesus, life doesn't go perfectly, life is challenging. You know, breakups happen, bad things happen at school, people pick on us, you know, we lose jobs, families break up, things like this. We're like, Jesus, are you really going to use me for a good purpose? Because I'm not seeing my life really work out for good. But Jesus also wants you to know in the waiting that you're going to continuously stay faithful to him. And in the moments that he's not just abundantly blessing you, you're going to continuously stay faithful to him. And those that do, he honors. Because in his timing, He's going to make all things work together for good. But his time is not our time. And so, yeah, it's been over 2,000 years, and Jesus has not come back yet. It could be 2,000 more years, or it could be tonight. None of, again, nobody knows but the Father. But the question we need to ask ourselves in the waiting, before he comes back, are we trusting that that is going to happen? And if we do trust that that is going to happen, if we do trust that even though our life is not going how it should go, how we think it should go right now, 
Do we trust that God has a plan through all of that? That God's eventually going to take all these things that are happening to us and somehow use them for his purpose if we give our lives to him. If we trust and believe in that, our lives will reflect it. That even in the moments of waiting where God is not just abundantly blessing us, we're going to remain faithful to him. We're still going to worship him. We're still going to learn more about him. We're still going to try to grow closer to him. Because we know eventually he's going to work all things together for good for what those who love him. So the question I want us to think about is, if Jesus were to come back today, would you be considered a betrayer? Somebody that's not really following him? Somebody that's much more cares about the world and pleasing people? Or would he find you to be somebody that's truly given their life to him and that loves him and has a relationship with him? So if Jesus came back today, are you ready to meet him? Have you given your life to him? Have you been living for him? And are you witnessing to the lost around you? If the answer is no to that, then while you're still breathing and living, time is still um, available to you. You know, give your life to Christ today and surrender. You know, pray out to Jesus and say, Jesus, I have not been living the way that I should. I've been following things of the world instead of you. I put these priorities over you. And I'm going to repent of that and start following you again. So I ask that you save me and that you start to use me for your purpose. It's never too late to say that. It's not just the words. It's the heart commitment behind it. When you give your heart to Jesus, he promises he's going to save you for all eternity, no matter what happens in the long run. And he's going to use you for a wonderful purpose as you continue to love him. Let me pray for us and we will close. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this message here. Looking at the passage in the Bible about Judas betraying you, it's heartbreaking to us. But when we also reflect on our own lives, we realize that we may have all betrayed you as well in different ways. At one point or another, we definitely have sinned against you, so we haven't sinned in that way. But a lot of us have betrayed you in other ways as well. So I ask God that we turn our lives back to you, especially in this Easter season. We put you as the number priority in our lives and our hearts, and we live for you and our actions and our words speak that. So when people see us, they ultimately see you. And then we're not afraid to confront somebody about sin, but doing it in a loving and graceful way, leading them back to you. Because we know, God, that only if somebody gives their life to you are they truly going to find the fulfillment of the plan you have for them. And that you're truly going to save them and give them eternal life. So Jesus, please use us, guide us, and let the season be wonderful and glorifying to you. And Lord, we love you. And then we pray.